0: Could we just uh, rely on renewable power and electrolysis hydrogen? Because there's a strong argument in the industry that that's what we should do. We shouldn't, um, you know, we sh- we shouldn't go down the route of decarbonising fossil fuel because it, it could extend uh, unnecessarily extend the life of fossil fuel. So, as a I guess as a chemical engineer, it kind of gives you the skill set to go and look at the big data yes. uh, with a sort of macro view and try and make sense of it.
1: Welcome to the Queensland Energy Club podcast series, Energy Talks. Just one note before we start today, the views and opinions in this podcast belong to the people expressing them and not to the companies or organisations they're a part of. I'm Sally Levis, the Managing Director and Founder of the Queensland Energy Club. I'm delighted to be sharing the booth today with Malcolm Russian, recently appointed as GHD's Australian Future Energy Leader. And podcast host Dan Brown, global co-head of International Projects Group and partner with global law firm Ashurst. Welcome, gentlemen.
0: Thank you, Sally. Thanks, Sally.
1: For today's podcast, Malcolm will discuss his career journey and experiences from a chemical engineer through to his role as Australian Future Energy Leader, reflecting on his passion for reducing greenhouse gas emissions and the carbon footprint to future energy, the green hydrogen export market, and the acceleration of Australia's decarbonisation. On that note, I'll now hand over to you, Dan, to introduce Malcolm and further the conversation.
2: Thanks for that kind introduction, Sally. Malcolm, absolutely fantastic to have you here today, Um, especially given the amazing role that you've got with GHD as the Australian future energy leader. before we dive into all the really amazing stuff that you and your business is doing, um, I'd, I'd really love to go back to a time um, in your childhood where, notwithstanding this amazing opportunity that you and your business has about effectively putting a dent in the in the energy transformation universe, um, there was a time where you were growing up in a place that didn't really have access to electricity in the way that we know it today so I was born in the UK but actually um,
0: when I was three my parents moved my younger brother and I and the family out to Swaziland It was a little landlocked country um, surrounded on one side by South Africa on the other side by Mozambique my parents were after um, better job prospects um, but also some adventure I think Um, the reason I think they were after adventure is because they um they opted to live well out of the nearest um, town uh, so out in the bush um, and um, for that uh, for several of the the seven years we were there we we didn't have um, electricity we we had um, we had paraffin lamps paraffin uh, paraffin fridge um, and my dad had to walk about a kilometer every few days with a little jerry can of petrol. Fill a little uh, petrol pump uh, that was um, taking water out of a very shallow well just next to a, um, a a small track, and that would then pump enough water up up the hill um, to a tank on top of the hill above this house we lived in, and that was our our water supply That's incredible so it, well yeah it, it was a, it was a great way you know a great uh, early childhood and a yeah. lot of my, um, yeah a wonderful way to start life. Yeah. And,
2: Definitely. It's amazing, isn't it, how we we kind of, well, I shouldn't categorise everyone as we, but how I take for granted the ability just to flick a switch and have light and heat and whatever else, and yet the reality of your childhood is still a reality for a large part of the world's population, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, but I really should differentiate that. I mean, the Just Transition is about people that you know, aren't there because they're choosing adventure? <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're there because life is tough. Life is hard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. Around us, um, there were. It, it was a great place to live, Swaziland. It, it didn't have the apartheid um, aspects of it, and yep. there was there was pretty good education. But a lot of the people that lived around us were in the rondavels, cooked on open fires, um, yeah. and nobody, yeah, nobody had power at that stage. Yeah. Or, or um, we we were probably one of the few houses that had
2: running water in the in the way that I've just described. Yeah. So how did you go from that space to becoming a chemical engineer and finding yourself at the real, like I guess, the spearhead of you know GHD's future energy business? What what was the the arc of your kind of life yeah. history to that point?
0: So the that, sort of potted history, um, yeah. Education wasn't quite up to the standards my parents had hoped for, so I was shipped off to uh, boarding school at a very early age. So, junior school was in a, in a um, convent run by um, German nuns, wow. um, and then uh, a couple of years at, at boarding school in, in, in high school, and then um, ended up at a, um, a public high school in a place called Howick, which is about 120 kilometers. Uh, west of Durban, and I think Mm -hmm. most people would know where Durban is. It's very much the Brisbane of of southern Africa. Um, And uh, so I went to university there, University of Natal, um, and uh, first jobs were there um, and uh, ended up doing a, a Master of Science as well in engineering with some mathematical modelling whilst I was working in the job. But I guess to your point is how did I become a chemical engineer? I think there was um, there's definitely some technical stock in, in my <laughs> from both both sides my grandfather was in the uh, Royal Navy as a, as a ship's engineer during the war wow. and then spent um, 20 years in Trinidad, which is where my mother grew up, which is yeah. where I think partly the hankering for adventure came from <laughs> yeah. um, as a, uh, uh, a power station engineer and then he spent another 20 years in, in Bahrain working for the oil companies as a power station engineer. So there's definitely some some stock coming through from my mother's side. And then my dad was a an industrial chemist. And um, the first thing in Swaziland, the first um, job he got was to set up a, a glue factory, making the glue uh, that was then shipped over in tankers to South Africa where they made the um, particle board or chipboard wow. as they call it over there. So I remember as a young kid um, actually – peering into one of these large storage tanks um, uh, watching a group of men with full face masks um, um, brushing out the formaldehyde which is what you'd make yeah. use to make the glue um, out of the bottom of this tank uh, uh, um, for whatever reason probably a repair or something or and also staring down through a through a sight glass into the reactors and seeing that churn away so That's yeah I guess cruel. you know and then I enjoyed um, the maths and the sciences and the chemistry at school. And just at a pivotal moment, my grandfather was discussing, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and he commented, he said, "Well, you should uh, you should be a chemical engineer." And I don't think I'd ever even heard about chemical yeah. engineer. And he said, um, "All of the managers at the refineries are chemical engineers, so be a chemical engineer." <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's uh, and that's how it happened, actually. Yeah.
2: And so, in the context of your 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 business at GHD and and your your role as the future energy lead, um, h- how did this come about? Because you know, if I kind of think back to my days as a baby lawyer and coding documents for litigation and um, dealing working on a matter that GHD was involved in, um, you were. A, Well, the business was firmly an engineering firm, wasn't it? Like at its very core. Um, And here you are um, having one of the most amazing roles in that business to really think about those difficult questions or answers around the future um, energy transformation. So, how? Yeah, how did this come about within the business?
0: That's a a great question. Um, Yeah, we're ninety-four years old now, I think. Wow. And and, um, you know, an Australian company. Uh, We've we've we've. uh, we have about ten thousand people um, about four and a half five something like that uh, in Australia and then another four or so in USA Canada and um, the, the the rest of the balance um, a, a good strong presence in the UK Middle East and yeah. and a very uh, strong and um, long term office for us in in the Philippines as well yeah. um, but Fair to say that you know, for a a big part of that ninety-four years, we've really been known as the, the water, you know, for water and public infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. But about thirty years ago, at least now, um, GHD really started to get deeply involved in the energy and resources sector, Um, and so we've we've had a very strong power business for. a couple of decades um same for oil and gas and and then really strong relationships with a lot of the resource companies as well so that's been a a really solid part of our business for sort of 20 to 30 years
2: you've been listening to energy talks by queensland energy club if you've enjoyed what you've heard so far you'll be thrilled to know that the full-length interview will be available to podcast subscribers of the queensland energy club to become a podcast subscriber is simple Just go to the podcast page at queenslandenergyclub.com.au and sign up to become a podcast subscriber. Thank you for listening.